Welcome to Upvoted No Sleep, where OP Beardify writes, My friends and I made a deal with a voice in the sewer. Now we're all paying the price. I grew up in the kind of rust belt town where the cleanest, safest place for kids to play was the local sewer canal. My friends Brett, Holly, Eli, and I met there almost every day during summer vacation. The overhanging trees gave us shade and hid us from the adults. It was like our own secret hideout. The only problem was the concrete tunnel at the end of it. Something about the tunnel made me think of a round, toothless stone mouth. Freakishly oversized insects that we'd never seen before buzzed in the humid breeze that blew out of the darkness, and it wasn't long before we started daring each other to crawl inside. Eli was the first to stick his head in, but he didn't dare go any further. Holly, though, she did. She snorted, called us all scaredy-cats, and crawled into the tunnel until only her tiny white shoes still hung outside of it. Then she screamed, the kind of hundred-decibel shriek that only preteen girls are capable of. We grabbed her leg and yanked her out. She wouldn't stop scratching at her head. According to Holly, a spider as big as her hand had just scurried through her hair. We avoided the tunnel for a long time after that. That was until the day I lost Eli's basketball. Now, it wasn't technically Eli's. It belonged to his older brother, Dwayne, a muscly 13-year-old we all lived in terror of. In fact, the ball was Dwayne's most prized possession. Eli had only taken it to brag about the famous signatures that covered it. But like the dumb kids we were, we couldn't resist throwing it around. So I faked a pass to Brett, but tossed it to Eli instead. I didn't realize that he was standing in front of the tunnel. Dwayne's prized ball slipped right through Eli's fingers and disappeared into the darkness. One look at Eli's terrified face was all I needed to imagine the beating that Dwayne would give us. No one was saying it, but I knew what I had to do. So I took a deep breath, got down on my hands and knees, and I crawled into the tunnel. The legs of a flying insect brushed against my ear, trying to climb inside. I cried out, smacked the side of my head, and nearly slipped in the slime beneath my legs. Something more than the bugs and muck was bothering me, though. The tunnel was flat. How could the ball have rolled so far? Unless something had carried it. My friends were cheering me on, but their voices sounded very far away by now. I shuddered and kept moving. After what felt like forever, I saw a light up ahead. It streamed down through a great overhead into a small concrete chamber. Dwayne's basketball rolled through it and into the gloom beyond. I had just stepped into the light when I heard it. Bounce. Bounce. Looking for this? A voice asked from the shadows. Every instinct told me to scream and run. But I didn't. Who's there? I asked. Do you want your ball back? The voice teased. Or not? I couldn't tell if the speaker was male or female, old or young. The darkness hid them completely. Of course I do. I huffed. Then, how about a trade? You get what you want, and I get something of yours. Like what? Bounce, bounce. I'll tell you when the time's right. Not now. It was only a basketball, I told myself. How big of a trade could it be? Okay, fine, give me the ball. And just like that, my trade came bouncing out of the shadows. It's been a pleasure. If you'd ever like to trade for anything else... You know where to find me. I gulped and backed away, my throat dry. 
I didn't want to turn my back to whatever was lurking in the shadows, but I didn't have a choice. I looked up as I turned around. Two backlit, child-sized figures were staring down into the grate. I scrambled out of the horrible tunnel as quickly as I could. You found it! Eli's cheer died in his throat when he saw my face. What's wrong? I opened my mouth, ready to tell him everything. Nothing, I found myself saying. Where's Brett and Holly? Well, they climbed up on top of the grate to spy on you. Eli frowned. Are you sure you're okay? Never better. I forced myself to smile, wondering why I couldn't bring myself to talk about what I'd found. How about a trade? You get something of mine, and I get something of yours. Laying in bed that night, I turned those words over and over in my head as I listened to the windstorm outside. What kind of deal had I just made? When would the thing from the sewer be coming to collect? Branches scraped against the house like sharpened claws, and it was a long time before I was able to fall asleep. I woke to a golden sunlight streaming through my bedroom window. I could hear my family arguing and laughing in the kitchen. The warm, buttery smell of my father's pancakes drifted up the stairs. Maybe things would be okay after all. Or so I thought. But something had changed between my friends and I. When we met back at the sewer the next day, Brett and Holly, they seemed tense, anxious even, like they were waiting for Eli and I to leave. We parted ways after barely an hour had passed. The whole experience left me with a sick sense of foreboding, although I really wasn't sure why. The next day, when we met again, I understood. Brett was hunched over, concentrating, driving a brand new remote control truck. It was a toy that his family could have never afforded. Yet, here it was, zooming up and down the slopes of the canal. Holly watched, stuffing her fist into a bag of enormous Mars bars, the kind that were only available around Halloween. Her parents had put her on a strict diet. Or so I'd thought. So, where had the candy bars come from? I looked nervously at the black tunnel ahead. Hey, guys. I smiled nervously. Where did you get that stuff? Nowhere. Brett and Holly responded in unison. Their flat tone reminded me of my own voice when I'd tried to describe the bargain I'd made. As it turned out, the remote control truck and bag of candy... They were only the beginning. Each time Eli and I came down to the sewer canal, Brett and Holly had more stuff. A Barbie mansion, the board game Candyland, even light-up sneakers. It was so unnerving that Eli and I stopped going down to play by the sewer canal. We were afraid of what we might find. But soon enough, we weren't the only ones. There was something ominous about the way the phone rang that night, and the fear in my mother's eyes when she handed it to me. It's your friend Holly, my mother whispered. She sounds upset. I think her cat's missing. Have you seen it? I could barely hear my mother's whispers over Holly's sobs. Ariel's gone, and she's never coming back, my friend was wailing. She named her cat after the Little Mermaid because she loved water. The name usually made me laugh, but not that night. I can help you look for her, I stammered. No, you can't. Holly moaned. I found her collar by the sewer. She's gone. Another wail. My mother took away the phone, and I was left full of doubts. What had Ariel been doing down there? The next day, Holly walked sheepishly over to the abandoned lot where Eli and I were kicking a soccer ball into a trash can. 
Can I play with you guys? What's wrong? Eli sneered. All out of other toys? The can boomed as he scored a goal. I I'm not going down there anymore, Holly muttered. First it was just my stuff that went missing, like my swimsuit and my house keys. But now that Ariel's gone... Holly couldn't say it, but I knew what she meant. She was scared of what might disappear next. For a long time, however, it seemed like nothing did. Brett, Holly, and Eli and I grew up. I forgot about dark sewer canals and abandoned lots, and instead spent more and more time inside on my computer. Eli went from a scrawny, scared kid to the star of our high school soccer team. Holly grew into a clever, beautiful bookworm. Writing fantasy stories and fan fiction was her way of dealing with a terrible secret that we shared. Brett never left that secret behind. Of the four of us, he was the only one who continued to visit the sewer canal on a regular basis. And as a result, he seemed to get everything he wanted. But he lost his friends. By our freshman year, Brett was looking at Holly in a strange new way. It had been years since we'd last spoken, but he finally built up the courage to cross the lunchroom and talk to her. Uh, Holly? He stammered. I, I know we haven't hung out in a while, but uh, I, I really like you, and I thought that maybe... Uh, Brett trailed off. A hush fell over our table as we stared at the floor, at our lunch trays, anywhere but at our old friend. I, I don't think it would work out, Brett. Holly finally answered. I'm sorry. Brett turned crimson, clenched his hands into fists, and stormed off. After school, I knew exactly where he was going. By the time I caught up with Brett, he had already reached the sewer canal. Brett, I know you think this will fix things, but you've got to listen to me. It won't. My old friend looked over his shoulder at me, shook his head, and crawled inside. I stepped forward to follow him, but the moment I looked into that tunnel, I was nine years old again, swatting away freakish bugs, dragging my knees through the slime, listening to that horrible voice. Bounce. Bounce. No. I couldn't force myself to go in there a second time, and by the time Brett crawled back out, it would be too late. So I stuffed my hands into my pockets and I trudged home in the autumn twilight, feeling much older than I ever had before. I woke to a dark room and the echo of a ringing phone. I looked at the clock. 4.04 a.m. Full of foreboding, I sprinted to the kitchen and answered it before any of my family could wake up. Oh, God, Brett whispered. This wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't me. You've got to believe me. It wasn't me. The boom of a door flying open. A scream. The line went dead. I knew it had happened long before the trial, the news coverage, or the assembly the principal held about the terrible tragedy in our midst. And when Brett claimed that he hadn't been the one who slit Holly's throat and placed her naked corpse in his bed that night, I was the only one who believed him. Years have passed since I chased Eli's basketball down that dark tunnel, but I still hear its bounce in my dreams. I try to tell myself that the voice in the sewers has already taken what it wanted from me, or that it might have even forgotten about me. But I know that I'm wrong. How will I know when I've made my trade? When I try to stop my car and find the brake lines missing? When I check my two-year-old son's crib and find it empty? Or will it be when I wake up back in that lightless concrete tube, naked and helpless, with a horrible voice whispering in my ear? Now I've got something of yours. Something I've been wanting for a long time.
And that was an upvoted no-sleep story by O.P. Beardify. Sweet dreams. Mm.